Well, well, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and John Schertz is back with us today, as well as the long-awaited Nick Mookie. <laughs> and that's that's Mookie, not <laughs> Muche or... I thought it was Moochie at first. Everyone messes it up. What's so. the What's the worst one you've heard? Uh, Mouche. <laughs> Mainly everybody says Mouche or something like that or Mook, but everywhere I go it happens. I think I didn't ask you or even <laughs> sometimes I'll intentionally not say someone's last name until I like hear them say it. I most of the time introduce myself first and last name just so uh, they understand it right away, but... <laughs> Well, anyway, Nick's back from a <clears throat> deployment over to Europe and Africa and yep. other places. <laughs> yeah, Europe and Africa. I spent six months living in Germany and traveled around uh, Europe and then um, got to go to Africa a time or two. And Not your typical deployment. I got to do a lot of fun stuff while I was there. And uh, more of a six-month, uh, I guess, temporary duty than an actual deployment. But... Um, thankful for it it was great it was a good time yeah you got to do some hunting over there i did i did i took advantage of everything i could whether it be traveling or hunting so got to hunt the uh for four days in spain and then another three or four in slovenia and got to hunt some animals that i never ever thought that i would get to yeah um going over there from here uh the flight costs and everything you know it's just too expensive but if i'm already in germany or in Europe in general, um, everything worked out really well. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think one of the one of the podcasts was talking. Uh, you, you, I remember you telling me how weird you were. I think we were talking like regional ethics, like how just stuff's different everywhere. Yeah. How the one guy to yours wouldn't want, didn't want to take a picture. <laughs> yeah, he. I I shot this roebuck, um, and we walked up and we found it, and I I wanted a photo because it was a it was a doe, so I wasn't going to have the skull or anything to bring home, and I wanted a good photo, and I I started positioning it like I would an animal here in North America, like we all are used to doing, and uh, he immediately told me, "Oh, we're not in America, you know, we do it this way: lay it on its side, you know, put the the greenery in its mouth, and and take the photo." And the photo turned out fine; it was great, but I was kind of like taken back, like he 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 knew. Like he could have just said it a little bit nicer, I think, you know, yeah. like he, he knew what I was trying to do. And then <laughs> the next day I shot a red deer and I, uh, ended up, I stepped over the animal because it, where it died, we had to move it. It was on like a side hill and it was tangled up in some brush. So I had to step over the animal to grab it, to help him move. And he got all mad about that too. Like, you know, I, and then after that time I was like, Hey man, just let me know what I'm doing wrong. Well, you're in because Transylvania. I, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Kind of weird I'm like, stuff. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or nothing. And, um, after, after that, then, then we are on the same page, but yeah, they're pretty particular about what they do after the animals, uh, dead. And I wasn't used to that, but. Is it like a religious thing or. It's uh, just like a spiritual uh, deal. I'm, I'm not sure what exactly. Their, their, their way of showing respect to the gotcha. animal. Right, right. So all the animals we took, they you know they put stuff in their mouth, took the photos, whatever. And um, the, what's funny is the guy that was giving me a hard time was was younger. He was my age, you know, 30s. And uh, the day prior, hunting chamois, um, the one I took. You know, that guy would let me do anything I wanted with the animal to get good quality trophy photos, you yeah. know, and he never said a word and he was older, you know, he's in his sixties and you would think that he would have 
definitely been on the same page as the younger one. But I think the I think the younger one, while he was a great guy, he also may have felt maybe like I don't I don't want to say intimidated, but maybe like you know like this is how we do it here, you yeah. know, and and uh, so it you know transpired into what it did, and it was all fine. No, it looked like it looked like a great time. Yeah, yeah, great. It was. I wanted to do two things when I was in Germany. I wanted to ski in the Alps, which I like to ski, and I wanted to hunt in the Alps, and I got to do both and, and quite a bit more. So definitely a successful uh, time over there. Yeah, well, didn't you kill your Ibex like the first day with the bow? The first morning. Uh, we went to one spot right away in the morning, glassed around, didn't see nothing, drove to another spot, and uh, I looked through the sunroof. This guy had a, like a Zuzu Trooper-type truck or whatever, and it had a sunroof, and I looked up, and I saw three Ibex up on the hill. We stopped, got out, glassed, whatever, and started making our stock up, and we got to like 200 yards, perfect opportunity to make a bow stock, and he th- takes his backpack off, throws it on the ground, grabs his rifle, hands it to me like, you know, like forcefully, you yeah. know, like, hey, here you go, you know, you got a shot. I'm like, no, I like it's the first day and we don't need to shoot right here. You know, yeah. like we have plenty of opportunity to stock up closer. So we got up, uh, they kind of walked off and the shot, you know, came and gone and um, we snuck up a little bit closer and I, I'm totally happy with the Ibex I shot, and I made that very clear to them, but I shot the wrong one. Oh. I got up close to 20 yards, and I drew back, and I, I was shooting somebody else's bow, and it was like an inch and a half too long draw length, and I only had three arrows, you know, so like, you know, everything's going against me here. I'd only <laughs> sighted it into 30 yards, and uh, when I popped around the tree to shoot, um, I couldn't see the one that I... that that he wanted me to shoot, but I had a perfect shot at another one. So I, I just took it. Did and you get I, chewed out? No, no, no. I shot a smaller one than, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And it was, it was, if anything, they came out ahead, you know, I still paid the same price, whatever, but there's one more bigger one, I guess, running around, but. Yeah, no, that's cool. But <clears throat> needless to say, it's good to, good to have you back in town. Yeah. I'm super happy to be home. Just in time for spring bear stuff. We're, uh, just spent the last little bit helping Nick, tune his tune some arrows for his new recurve yeah thank you for that yeah, no problem but uh yeah it's pretty i know we got you your first bear with yeah phone's buzzing all over the place <laughs> got you your first bear uh you shot your first bear with a trad bow three years ago two or so 2015 spring of 15 15 yeah, it's 2018 now okay so, so yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah three sure. time flies here but uh <laughs> But yeah, and then uh, so what? Me, I think I just remember you emailing me saying, "Hey, I'm ordering a bow." Yeah, uh, I wanted to, I guess, just have more fun with it. Um, hunting with a compound while challenging. Um, sometimes hunting with a recurve will bring you know more challenges to the hunt and everything. And I'm not going to do it all the time, but uh, I'd like to definitely use it when when uh, when it makes sense. So hunting yeah. bears in the spring over bait is a perfect opportunity to to use one, and you know that's what I'll that's what I'll do. So. Yeah, and uh, I don't know where I was going to go with that. I lost my train of thought. We didn't discuss at all what we're going to talk about on this, so we'll be shooting all over the board probably. But easy enough. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, that's cool. You got got yourself a got yourself a widow now, and uh, got these arrows flying pretty good. So now it's just practice. Practice. Yep. Yep, it's. Uh, I'm still waiting for my wood shafts to get here. That'll be fun. Yeah, so I, 
but the the guy that I helped out last fall on his moose hunt is making me some and has made me some stone points. And so I got to get this wood shafting here, and my draw length is so long that it's tough to find arrows that are stiff enough. So hopefully they'll get here, and I can send them down and have those hafted, and then I'll put steel points on the rest of them. To I think taking any animal with a stone point like you try, you're like you're trying to do, that's that's going to be pretty cool. So yeah, it'll I think give you so. something to look forward to. And again, like that, you're you're up in the ante when it comes to the challenge uh, involved, and I think that. Uh, Anytime you can make hunting more fun than it already is for you uh, is, is definitely a plus. Yeah, and, so. I, and I think that's what I was going to say is because you've killed so much stuff with your compound that, I mean, it's cool to I, just, I really just want to make it more fun. And not saying that hunting with a compound is not fun because I love it, um, but there are certain times where, you know, it might be cooler to get a little bit closer. Um, and there's something to be said about shooting an animal with a stick bow. I've only done it once, but it was, it was a great feeling. Yeah. And I want to do that again. <laughs> you, John, you shot a few animals with a stick bow. Two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah a, a caribou over in unit 19 and a, um, and a black bear. Right. And yeah. I bet both of those were probably the most enjoyable harvest you've had. Kind of unbelievable. It's almost <laughs> yeah. like, it's almost like magical when yeah. it like, then when it works out because it's just so much it's muscle memory and it's yep. so intuitive you don't you have to think about it you just watch it happen it's yep. pretty cool it is it is kind of a weird thing like that because i granted i've never killed a big game animal with a compound i kind of i right. switched over to the trad bow before before i actually got that done but just in i don't know the comparison of, of what it felt like shooting a compound and switching over it's just weird it, like it is kind of different. Like you can't hardly describe that. It's a very feeling s- like oh, it actually it actually yeah, it works. works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very simple process. And like we were talking earlier, the more you focus and the more you try to concentrate on what you're aiming at and doing everything right, you know, it just it, it actually has a negative effect on your shot. Whereas if you just settle down, focus, and shoot, I I always shoot better when I do that. But uh, I think shooting a stick bow, you want to concentrate more, but really you don't you don't you know it's yeah second. it's like you you just have to build all this stuff right you know get your shot process to where it's all in the subconscious you yeah. know you can't see I, me as soon as i start worrying about any one thing i start screwing stuff up yeah and you're a hell of a shot so when you screw up you screw up a few inches when i screw up i'm i'm shooting a foot high <laughs> two feet left whatever <laughs> when you know. i screw up it's about eight nine <laughs> feet off you know, way over the target yeah, well, it's supposed to shoot where you're looking, John. <laughs> yeah, it, sometimes. Mo- well, most of the time, sort of. But, uh, yeah, it's a whole exciting time this time of year. And although it was snowing earlier. Yeah, I didn't expect to come back to weather quite like this. I knew there'd be snow, and I knew that, you know, it's early May, so you never know what the weather's going to do up here. But uh, I was hoping for sun and snow melting quickly <laughs> yeah well it, it was kind of acting like that and then the past couple of days it's just been nasty but really i don't think it's much I mean, different than the, any other year yeah the tr- like the oh the ice went out in the tan and all yesterday which really is only a couple days later than normal right yeah um i think i'm more along the lines the way i'm feeling is that i'm excited to get hunting and i'm it's the same time as it was last year and the year before and the year before and the year before so spring ain't coming any quicker than it normally does so it'll be fine yeah 
and ice going out. I know I'm. I just got a new motor put on my boat, so I'm antsy to get that thing in the water and yeah. running. And John just got himself a new boat for his for his uh, his tour and dip netting charter service. So Copper River Wild, wasn't that? Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking forward to getting it out. You know, I had it on the river on the Copper last year, but obviously shake the bugs off, make sure everything's good here. Just kind of thinking about going south or wherever it's open here sooner. Yeah, it's uh oh, yeah. Well, I'm excited for that, John. I think you're going to do really well and I and I also think that you know that river and you know the fish and you know what you're doing, so you're not going in blind and I I think that whoever does book with you is going to be is going to be happy. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously a ton of logistical stuff that goes into it, but like the fishing's actually the least of my concern. Right, Cuz like right. we yeah, do we do really well. well. Like we were like, talking on the way over here, you you've done a lot of work, you know, up front to make to make this happen and um like you said the the fishing is the least of your worries. <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> like you got that part figured out. Yep. Yeah, I think that'll be I think that'll be awesome. I mean, most people that go down there just go down there to get their fish and come back, but it's such an awesome place, and you've been able to, you know, spend so many years working down there yeah. to really get to know the place. There's a lot of history and just really cool stuff down there. Yep. So being, I think that's a great idea to be able to incorporate all that into. Yeah, and kind of into the tours we do, like check out some historical stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot out there. I mean, you know, from Tural to to like ruins. I mean, because it used to be just such a prominent and heavy traveled area. So yeah. Well, they ran the railroad through yeah. there to the Kennecott Mine, I think, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. And I mean that that fishery's um, kind of been contentious. Um, it's got a contentious history, anyways, and it's super rich. You know, it's pretty excited about yeah it. and just awesome. the scenery alone in that area yep. on a very nice day when it's sunny and stuff that scenery is i mean that's it's beautiful saint elias right there that you know, go through the canyon that was one of the first places i went in alaska uh yeah. that first spring because i when i met john uh i met him in the winter at a 3d league or whatever that we were doing at the archery shop and then that spring he took me down there and i just remember being just like mesmerized it was it's a beautiful place yeah. now i go down every year and i i love it just the same yeah but uh that you know that first time and you've taken my family down there too and i know that they loved it and they'll never forget it so oh yeah that was a, a good trip too yes. Got a lot of fish <laughs> <laughs> yes so but yeah it's uh i guess i was getting into that I get, it's probably a universal itch right now to get on the water yeah if you got a river boat you're wanting to get it in the water <laughs> like quick yep and yeah so here here after a few days i'll go dump in after let the ice clear out a little bit then go dump my boat in and make sure i may have to drop i may have to lift that motor one set of holes if it, if it or drop it one set of holes if it's cavitating too much but just getting getting everything tuned up and then go get go get bear baits out and shoot some beavers and have all sort of fun just all kicking the, it off all the springtime fun yep shenanigans <laughs> about plenty and i was uh i was talking to which will be all over the place on this episode i can tell but <laughs> i was talking to matt herkstroder and one of the things we we're going to talk about and there there'll still be plenty with him is river boating mishaps oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you wrote, if you you'd run oh. a boat, river boat for very long you've either experienced or seen quite a few <laughs> and uh i guess the one i one i'm reminded of the most and i was telling someone i can't remember who i was telling about this the other day remember when we were up on the yukon going pike fishing 
we were coming back, and I got a little 16-foot riverboat, <laughs> and it's small for that water, but no big deal. Coming back, and you know, it is in the evening. We are running back, and uh, see this boat pulled over on the shore over Raining. There. Raining. See these, you know, yellow... This guy, I thought I thought it was a woman at first. <laughs> Had this this like neon orange and yellow raincoat on, waving. And so I'll go in. I don't know. You up here? You don't just abandon people. So no. yeah. we go over there and see if we can help them out. Pull up, and as soon as we pull up, the guy, you know anything about jets? <laughs> these, these these poor fellows were out of their element, no doubt about it. They they didn't really plan for anything other than maybe just going there to fish and come back. Like no well, second. Well, they had all sort of all sort of shit piled yeah. in that boat. Yes, they did. Yes, <laughs> well, they did. So we get out, and the guy, you know anything about jets? And I'm like, well, you know a little bit. I've been using one for quite a few years, and what's going on? So, well, we're we're coming up river and just went into neutral. <laughs> I'm like, went into neutral. Said, well, your reverse gate's in forward. <laughs> you know, you can tell by the way the reverse gate on that jet lower unit's position, it's in forward. I'm like, no, no I'm telling you, it went into neutral. I'm like, you mean you don't you didn't have any power because that's in that's forward right there. Right. And that gate's down and she's pushing. And okay and walk up and there was was there three or four guys three three guys three guys and this boat it was a pretty heavy yeah. built 16 foot boat blue jeans and hiking boots in the pouring rain a long ways away from anything yeah <laughs> and uh, on the Yukon River mm-hmm. and they got this boat packed to the hilt with stuff and three guys and I think he had like a tw- it's a I think it was a 25 horse jet with a with a tiller which is not a lot of motor for that heavy boat with that many guys. Anyway. They, they brought everything with them. Oh, everything. Like they had those, <laughs> those everything like, except the tools they needed to they fix the boat. They had those like hammock camp chairs or whatever you hang from the trees. And, Shotguns, rifles, <laughs> fishing poles. They were set for a good time. but And, yeah, what? Well, so the next thing, well, all right, well, where's your tools? Oh, I don't have any. Yeah. So you got everything else in the world in this boat, and you don't have any tools. Yeah, and you did your best to help them with what you had at you know in your boat, and even that wasn't enough. So I yeah, I found out a couple of weeks after that, I ended up knowing one of the one of their friends or whatever, and they they ended up you know basically floating that boat all the way back. And yeah, it took them eight twelve hours something like well, that. Well, we're and and we're getting there. Yeah. So we like <laughs> you know I'm like all right, well I grab grab the tools out of my toolbox go over there and the way he's describing it i'm like well if you're lucky you just stripped off your drive key now the drive key if you don't know on a jet unit your drive shaft comes down out of the power head of the motor and turns your impeller which sucks water up into the jet unit and spits it out the back now your drive key is this little basically piece of metal that fits on a flat spot on your drive shaft so that if you by chance get a rock or something stuck between the impeller, which sucks the water in the sleeve, which coats the, you know, it's kind of a, a drop in layer that between your, your actual foot of your jet, I'm trying to think how to describe this that makes sense. The easiest way, but it's this kind of protective layer. So you have your impeller and a tiny gap and then your sleeve. So if you get a rock stuck in there or something wrong, it'll just rip that key off and won't damage your motor or your drive shaft. So you can, 
ideally pull it apart, put a new key in, and on your way. And I'm thinking this is best-case scenario. And I'm starting to take his foot off, and he's, like, quizzing me. (laughs) Like, how fast does your boat go? And I had, uh, you know, 50, 35 horse at the jet. And any time you, with outboard motors, your uh, jet motor or a jet lower is less efficient than a prop. So I say a 50-35, it's a 50-horse motor, but it only is effectively 35 horse with a jet unit on it. And I'm, he, so how fast does yours go? I'm like, well, and I mean, with three guys, like not very 19, fast, 20 yeah. miles an hour upstream, like 23, 24 downstream. It's not real fast, but man, we were only doing like nine or 10 going upstream. <laughs> I'm like, so, all right. So these guys are plowing water, not yep. even being able to get up Got on set. step the whole way, full throttle, I'm sure. And does not sound good so finally get his foot yanked off i could take the impeller and it's in gear take the impeller and just spin it I'm yep. like, this ain't good man <laughs> but hopefully it's just the key finally got his impeller pulled off the drive shaft key's fine i could just take the drive shaft and spin it i'm like sorry man <laughs> you got bigger problems than i can fix yep. and yeah long story short i just told like you know Said so would like you know I'd I'd tow you back down but I I don't have the power it yeah. wouldn't have worked very well. Yep, it's it's happened to me on the copper, um, like south of Haley, where people were waving at me, um, kind of frantically, and um, it's funny too because they, they it was a brand new CR, I think like a twenty, um, and uh, they people get freaked out and like when that happens remotely yeah. especially they didn't have any comms or anything well, so they downstream were, of the canyon yeah right? true yeah <laughs> and they were doing like jumping jacks so i found a way to pull in there because it was pretty skinny i went in and chatted with them for a minute and i was like oh well you know i i'm your new best friend and then the guy yeah. well, and the guy's kind of upset his boat's like just sitting there cranking 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 and i just walked over hooked the kill switch up and started, <laughs> oh, started it right up like it was like he was so, like, thanks, man. So I got two, I got two stories about <laughs> down on the copper. They may have been on the same trip. I can't remember. So it's been a while since I went down and dip netted on the copper. But the last time we went in a 16-foot Zodiac, which actually was nice to dip from because you can just drop your knees on the side. Yeah, you're kind of hunched. It, it kind of works. It's a little scary, but... Like. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> threw outboard on there, and we're running down... I don't know. We weren't as close as it felt like to the top of the canyon. And the canyon, I don't know if we described it before, but it's, I don't know, a half-mile-wide river getting pushed down to about yeah. 200 yards. Yeah. And boy, whirlpools and just some, like, water that if you go in, you're not coming back no. out. And we're going down there, and I think he hit a gravel. The guy was driving the boat, hit a gravel bar or something, and then motor died. We're drifting towards the canyon. Oh, not in it yet. <laughs> yeah, you're on the not north side. Yeah, heading south. I'm like, yeah. we're it's like full. We're pulling on the motor crank, and finally, <laughs> I think we got to the side of the river. Or something. I'm hanging on the wheel. I said, "Oh, I forgot. I pulled the kill switch loose." <laughs> yep. Yep. But uh, easy fix. There's that one, and it may have been that trip we were down there, and there was a, some guys had taken one of those rigid pontoons and strapped like a 50 horse on it, and oh. had gone. We're down there dip netting, and they're trying to get up backstream. We're, like, down across from Haley. 
and they're plowing water going upstream and it's like they ain't making it like not making any headway and i don't know what you know the only thing they could have done is pull over to haley and take the thing apart and have to yep get someone to come in there and haul it out for to them. describe the copper river for those that don't understand it the first time i saw it it was the scariest thing i've ever seen <laughs> yeah. because we pull up and the wind's blowing so you got silt everywhere and the water's just roaring you know and then we hop in this boat that is quite large but it looks small yep. compared to the river you know um and then we went down through the canyon everything was fine john's a great boat uh operator whatever you want to call it but it's not a river that you want to make mistakes on i don't think no no i mean there's been several there's one in particular i remember hearing about guys sinking a boat in that cabin in that can in the canyon i think everybody died i think there was a log pushed up against someone's fishing spot and they hooked onto it they tried to tow it out tried to tow it out and basically you i mean took it with them your jet motor is sucking water up from under the boat and spitting it out the back in reverse you know you're not going anywhere so they hooked up to that and what happens if you're you can't go anywhere and you're sucking the water out from underneath you they put the throttle of that thing in reverse and just instantly sunk the boat yeah, I don't know if ever, anybody even made it out of that one alive. No, I've heard I, I've heard that that particular story. This guy Mark um, out out there by uh, Glen Allen told me that, and um, I'm not sure if anybody survived, but it was it was a bad deal. And all yeah, that. and I mean in there, you know, in the canyon dipping and stuff. That's why we stress tying off. I mean, like because if you go in with a life jacket on in there, there's enough hydraulics and force that you'll get wedged. There's a lot of undercuts mm-hmm. as well. So like. You know, you basically, if you go in that canyon, feet first and pray. Like, and they say you'll, you know, that the water's so silty that it'll fill your clothes with yep. s- you silt. I mean, just sit, having the boat sitting in the water, you can hear the silt yeah. grinding against it. The aluminum yeah. gets a really pretty uh, yeah. sand job, actually. <laughs> like, like, our, like our fish wheels, they were uh, like the... The part that was below the water line there was always just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dangerous river. But, yeah, so I had my fair share of boat boating mishaps last year. Lost a drive shaft or bearings on a drive shaft, and I had to do the river boaters walk of shame twice. <laughs> Luckily, it was all about, as after, both of them were after midnight, my dad towing my, towing my boat out. But You and I haven't had any problems no, with we boats. Haven't. John and I haven't had any problems with no. boats that I know of. No, I've gone on a float trip down the copper when we, we threw a rod and then the motor seized on a Yamaha and I <laughs> floated, I think it was like nine miles south of the canyon before I finally found a place where I could throw an anchor without risking sinking the boat. And that was an interesting phone call to make, but, uh, but we got towed out, yep. so it was okay, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. There was another one on the river i run that bait on was a few years ago we uh frank was with me frank schultz he uh we're running up and it was real low water in the spring like that river was actually running clear at the time and there's one spot where you come around a bend and if you read if you're going off what the banks look like you think you need to be on the right side of the river but the channel's on the left and running river boats you have to learn to call it reading the river where you learn what the water looks like to gauge depth and where you need to be. Anyway, the channel was only, I mean, it was like less than 10 feet wide on the left bank, and it goes from channel to about three inches deep 
you know, yep. on the right. And we pull around the corner, and there's this guy has this heavy wool ridge welded riverboat, like, I don't know, you know, 22, 20, I don't know if it was a 24-footer, but it was a big boat just smashed on this gravel bar. And he's got his motor lifted up, and he's got like 150 horse E-Tech with a prop. Yeah, it was a prop. Oh. Prop, and he's got a fancy stainless <laughs> prop with a you know yeah. prop guard bouncer to supposedly bounce your prop. And we pull up, and I ditch the boat. I just put my boat on the gravel bar there to help get him off, and it was him and his wife. And they had that boat filled to the hill, full to the hill. <laughs> Not only that, if, but if you're going to run a prop on that river, you pretty much need x-ray vision. It's not, well, like, you have to yeah. be able to see through the water. Like there's, it's not, that's, that was not yeah. smart on his part. I mean, how many? <laughs> you know? And I think that was part of his learning curve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, nothing against the guy personally, but man, we, uh, anyway, so we, I'm kind of talking to the guy trying to feel out and. I got the, he gave me the impression he was coming down from upriver. I'm like, well, how far did you go? And he's like, oh, this, you know, this place here. And I'm like, man, I'm like, there's a lot, way worse spots than this between here and there. There's two or three that are, you know, it's pretty sketchy. Like, I don't know how, and anyway, help him get pushed off. And he goes downstream and then fires her up and starts coming back up. And he's like, just chugging up. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's trying to get upstream. And I, I told him, like, man, you gotta, if you wanna make it through this, you gotta give her, like, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, you better be pouring the coals to her and be on step, you know, if you, yeah. if you have any hope of making it. The, and I tried to tell, I was like, man, like, you're, you're not gonna make it up there right now. I mean, if the water's high and you really could read that river, you could probably make it, but you're gonna be banging your prop pretty good anyway. He tried like twice, and I something he messed up his lower unit, I think, because he couldn't get any uh, power. Yep. But they'll happen stainless we, prop, anyways. Yeah, I had stainless prop. <laughs> That'll shred your whole motor before it. Uh. Yeah. So we. Anyway, and I'd sucked up a bunch of gravel in that motor. Every time I suck up gravel, I got to clean out the thermostat because it'll plug it up and overheat. But so I'm doing that and lost my gas. My gasket fell off in the river, so I I cut one out of cardboard. And uh, just greased her up and slapped it on there and was just tightening it up. And, and a guy I know that works at, at the boat shop came was coming down river and he turned, he knew the rest saw it was me and turned around, you okay? And yeah, and I said, I, you know, told him I just had to make a gasket. And he said, yeah, if, it, if it's spitting water, just run it with the cowling off. And uh, so anyway, we go and I stopped in there to get a gasket a couple of days later and he's like, let me guess, you were helping that idiot with the prop. <laughs> so you should have just left him there. I guess he kind of helped it down rear, and he got stuck three or four times down river there where it's all pretty pretty deep. And but yeah. I feel very comfortable on that river with you, mm-hmm. um, but I, I wouldn't want to navigate it personally. And I'm sure it's not as hard as what it looks, but for someone that doesn't know what they're doing, be very difficult i mean you run it at night with me and i'm not worried yeah you know and <laughs> it, yeah that one time with night vision goggles yeah <laughs> early you know early spring up there setting baits up and shooting beavers and stuff and he's coming back with night vision goggles and i can't see anything <laughs> nothing <laughs> you know nothing and we made it home just fine not even any issues any logs nope. or anything yeah. no it was just fine <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah like right at the end yeah, early May, you're still getting pretty dark, dark. about 1 o'clock in yep. the morning. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty excited, though. That was the first time I got to do that. That was great. You yeah, did we, fine. We and got those, you know, got those beavers skinned out, and 
All right, boys. Throw on a night vision. <laughs> night vision. Go for it. We'll see how this it, goes. Yeah, uh, I think dark and early spring there, it sneaks up on you because, yeah. you know, you're having so much fun and it's already late. And then all of a sudden, you, you yeah, you can't see for, what, what two hours maybe? Three yeah. hours? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I was trying one. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other major mishaps that I've witnessed or, or happened to me. John's got to step outside for a minute, <laughs> but uh, no, we're all I'm, we're excited to get out. Yeah, spring is fun in Alaska because, well, in in my opinion, there's just no pressure. Uh, it, it's an enjoyable two months of bear hunting, and bear hunting is for the most part, if you if you know what you're doing, it's a good time. You know, yeah. you, you go out, you set up your baits, you got make plans with all your friends, and it's more of a you know, camaraderie thing than, than it really is like going off on your own. Like, you know, when you go sheep or goat hunting, you're going with one other buddy and you've planned it out, yeah. and, you know, and it's, it's more of a grind, but bear hunting in the spring is, man, it's, it's a blast. That's fun. It's such a <laughs> it's, long season. Yeah. And, and it, you know, you never know what you're going to see and get plenty of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, see bears up close and then the, the greatest part about Alaska spring bear hunting is the fact that it doesn't get dark out in most places. And you can you can hunt those those late hours that you know when I started bear hunting in Idaho it would get dark at nine or ten o'clock and you know you'd leave the blind or you leave your stand and check your camera the next day and bears were coming in fifteen minutes after once it was dark yeah up here if you have the patience to wait you know you and you can sit till one two three a.m. you know that's that's my favorite time yeah I think one of those grizzly well that grizzly you helped me drag out yep. I shot at two thirty in the morning yep. Yeah, that was a late one. It was three thirty by the time you got there because yep. we had you were just coming back into town, I think, and yep. texted me and oh, I just shot one. <laughs> <laughs> you want help? Well, what kind of question is that? Yeah, and yeah, that was the brown bear I killed last spring was at two thirty a.m. and it was pretty dark, but I I had an opening uh, where my bait was, and I you know I could see well enough to shoot, but. Um, you you wouldn't be able to do that anywhere else. You know those bears come in late like that. Most other places, you're it's dark. So yeah, it's cool. It's just and it's kind of I don't know. It's just fun. Always wondering what what's been on your bait and yeah, it's a blast. You never really know. Just kind of a at the very least, you know. I don't. It's not at the same level as sheep hunting or goat hunting or something like that. But man, it's it's fun and it takes you know it's something to do during the spring yeah, you know you know two pretty much two full months of just really just having fun in the outdoors and and shooting stuff which yeah. is always fun <laughs> we'll say if you know what you're doing because yeah. there's a lot yeah. of a lot of poor guys that <laughs> well i i mean i i mean we could go over a bunch of common mistakes that i think people make and one of them is definitely uh staying too close to the towns and stuff like that and trying to find a spot that they can hunt after work you know on a weeknight and whatever and yeah that may be possible and you you might get you might have luck but if you just find some spots that are just a little bit more difficult to get to and take a little bit more thought to to put them in uh, your success rate's going to go through the roof. Well, I think I was I was talking to Matt Herkstroder about this, and and the same thing is a lot of times if you do that, put a little extra effort, you know, into where you're hunting, you may not have to hunt near. You you end up spending let investing less yeah. energy and money. I'd say time, but 
it's fun. You know, the time you invest is fun. Yeah. But you, you, it ends up working out way better for you in the long run than trying to just get by with something super close or yeah. whatever. You, you put the yeah. extra effort in, you might only have to go hunt once. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, not bragging, but I, I, I think I sit for black bears once or twice a year. Yeah. Like, I, you know, all the work is in the prep up up and yeah. leading up into that point or letting other people shoot bears or whatever. But you're you're really not sitting a whole lot if if you you know you have your stuff figured out. Yep. Yeah. For yeah. black bears. Anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tyler, you and I have spent so many nights on a grizzly bear bait uh, that and and you know try and try and try and we've you know we've seen a few and whatever, but um, that's a different story altogether. That, yeah. That, it, or has heard them coming. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. And then just silence for yeah, hours. There's several I can yeah. think of that yeah. you could hear them coming and they happen to get downwind or yeah. whatever or charge you. <laughs> well, I mean, when it, when it, yeah, when it comes to hunting grizzlies and brown bears over bait, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. And um, it's really just patience and, and being persistent, I think, is, is your key there. And being in an area that has bears, that's yeah. always helpful. That, that's what I've been asked a couple of times about where to bait. And I just say, well, go where the bears are. You have to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. part of the... <laughs> yeah. I mean... Near here, near Fairbanks, a lot of folks, you know, just stay within, you know, 20, 30 miles of town. And really what you're doing at that point is you're baiting with everybody else. The first year I moved up here, I called Fish and Game to ask, you know, how many baits were in certain units registered the year before or whatever. And 20B right here by Fairbanks, there was over a thousand baits already registered and it was like May 15th. No. A thousand baits. <laughs> yeah, that's that's dense considering, you know, out... Out in the boonies, there's you don't see anybody. Uh, a thousand baits, and you got to figure <laughs> how many of those are using four wheelers and trucks, you know, to get to their spot. Quite a few, so you're competing with everyone else around you. Yep. And you yeah. wind up putting just as much time, like you were. You saying. are easily going to put the same amount of time. Yep. You're still going to go check your baits. You're still yep. going to buy baits. You're still going to keep doing this and doing that, and all that time adds up. Um, and then maybe at the end of the year you are you you know you were successful and I, I would say that the majority of the folks that are doing that kind of stuff are, are probably not unfortunately yeah you know that's that's a good point I didn't uh, I actually wound up last year was the first year in a while that I actually didn't take a bear yeah yeah, yeah you're right I mean my baits did yeah, yes, <laughs> yes they did but uh, you know um, you know we kind of all worked together on that we had a we had um, we had Riley do his redemption bear, um, and uh, <laughs> and he got a good one. Yeah, oh, he yeah. got a fantastic one. And then we yep. had uh, Nick, who's a New York guy, do it. And you know, I've got a lot of opportunity up here, which I also like telling you know, hey boys, I like I like to kill bears too. But yeah. you know, for first for for Nick and stuff, he's he's a New York guy, so you know, they can they actually got bigger bears there than we do here. The, but the other nice thing about bear hunting in the spring and is that you can get other people involved and it's, it's not a, it's not a huge commitment to, to get someone their first animal. And if somebody is hoping to take an animal with their bow, you know, bear hunting in the spring is probably their best opportunity to have yeah. a very controlled uh, situation to do it in. Yep. And yeah, I like taking out new people hunting uh, for bears in the spring. It's relaxing. Yep. Great introduction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and most of the time they're over the moon because they don't oh, necessarily yeah. know what to expect. And if you've got a hot bait going, you know, yeah. like it seeing can get, bears up close, man, that's yeah. exciting stuff for, for, for a lot of people. They don't, they don't get to do that. Yep. So well, I was just checking on my, <laughs> all this 
little poll I posted <laughs> just because, uh, you know, we're talking bears and bear defense. Recently, as every spring, when the bears start poking out, people start asking questions whether they're good or not. One one que- one guy, it was something to the matter of fact of what's a really cheap bear defense pistol I can only, you know, no more oh, than $200. I saw that. One <laughs> <laughs> guy. You're so like, what's uh, the answer to that? Well, my answer was like, well, if you're basically limiting what could be your life to $200 bear spray. Yeah. <laughs> you might be able to find like an 870 around or something for maybe not you 200 might. But, but like, he's talking oh, handgun. Oh, yeah. yeah I say, no. Otherwise, just a, a cheap shotgun would be would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, handgun, what are, what are you talking that price range? High point, <clears throat> 9 mil? Oh, <laughs> Did you guys ever see that? That meme that was like, I can't remember what it said. <laughs> something about meeting your demise in a gay bar or something. If if you get caught, if you get shot with a high point, just tell your <laughs> friends. Just tell your friends that's how you died. Oh. But yeah, so I posted this little quiz. So basically, you're being charged with a grizzly, and you have the choice between a 44 mag revolver and a 308. No other choices. What do you choose? Yeah, well, it seems fairly basic. Should we go? Should we go <laughs> before we give the obvious answer? Should we go over no oh, some of the answers? Three hundred eight more rounds. I mean, you're only going to get one I mean, shot like, off anyhow. But I, I would not agree. necessarily. Depends what an AR platform or a bolt. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. There's some some good ones. Well, it's about shot placement, really. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The 308 works better for a club if you don't kill it by shooting it. He's right there. <laughs> <laughs> really depends on what you have on the 308. If you have a 4 to 12 or even 3 to 9, the smallest magnification will make it a tough shot if you're being charged. I just choose the 44 just for ease. I don't know, a 3x, a 3x if you've got a decent piece of glass on it, it's just fine. Well, at the distances we're talking about, there's not much aiming no like i'd still take the 308 yeah agree Hands give her down. a little 45 degree can't well, I mean, <laughs> you're talking uh, damn near damn near triple the energy i mean you know. Th- these these topics are hashed out on forums and facebook all the time like similar stuff with bear charges bear defense yeah. so on and really i think the majority of the people arguing about this stuff haven't even been charged by a bear or been like see how fast it can happen and it can happen so fast that no matter what weapon you're holding or bear spray you're holding, can't you, you're not going to do anything yeah. about it. You better just hope that you made the right decision yep. initially. Um, and without having that factor involved in your answer and understanding that, like yeah, you could you can go back and forth all the time and say, oh yeah, I'd rather have a handgun or I'd rather have a long gun. But until it happens and you are put in that situation and you. You see how fast it happened. Like John, you've been attacked by a bear or two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it 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 comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it does. And you know, for me personally, I'll take a gun that I can shoot accurately right. with 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 you know some significantly more energy. Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's a no brainer there. I mean, a forty four. You know, me personally, a four fifty four Casul. I can't hit a jug at twenty five yards with that thing. I'm a decent shot with a yeah. rifle, but like with the Casul pistol, it. Like, oh, and then on top of that, like, I'd be, I don't even like shooting it for a bare defense situation. You're, you don't have earplugs in, you're deaf after yeah. you pull the trigger on that thing. 
Yeah. Oh, here, here's some more. I think this is the one you were mentioning earlier. This is the first time I've looked at it. Oh, pulled up something about somebody's 44 ammo being able to pers- penetrate better than a 375 H&H. <laughs> yeah, that 44 mag. <laughs> oh Sorry, not, not no, happening, buddy. No, no. But there was someone what said said something about. Yeah, this is going back and forth, and oh, what did the? Where was that? I caught some. Someone went back. Okay, zero chance the forty-four mag will pe- out penetrate three seventy-five. Yes. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Lower BC, slower, but I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's another one. That same thing. Forty-four mag over the three hundred eight, hands down. There's, well, like I said, the there's, same guy. That's a pile of yeah. salesman bullshit. <laughs> you, you just the thing with the internet is you just never know who's on the other end of it and what their experience is. And a lot of the a lot of the answers you're going to get on stuff like that. I mean, it, it they're really just shooting from the hip, which there's a lot of times literally. you're going to have to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I mean, and uh, yeah, and that's that's the double edged sword of the whole social media is anybody. Yeah. You don't know. Can, can I, give their opinion. I mean, basically, to answer that question, I would take 308 hands down every time. <laughs> like, 308 is way more gun than a 44 mag. Yep. A yeah. 3030 is way yep. more gun than a 44 mag. And I don't know. I can't remember if when you were on before, John, we were, t- I mean, any like bare encounter, defense, whatever you're going to have, you may falling apart here. Any situation you may find yourself in is just going to be a roll of the dice. Yep. You know, if that bear, like, say the bear is coming and it ain't... And you know it. Stopping for nothing, like, that's a roll of the dice no matter what you have, whether or not you're going to have to be able to hit them and either change their mind or... And there's also a big difference between seeing a bear at 100 yards away and it approaching and and you have time to prepare and think through this. Yeah. There's also, like, you know, a lot of times walk into a bait. The first time I walked into my bait here in Alaska was with my wife. We saw six bears walking into the bait. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's right behind me, you know, and we walk in, whatever, and she shot her bear within five minutes of climbing up the tree because we were basically chased up the tree by by a bear. But we saw six just walking in. So, you know, walking around in the in the woods and stuff like that, stuff something can happen out of nowhere that you're not expecting oh, yeah. it. And no matter whether you have a handgun or a shotgun or a rifle with you, it's not going to change the situation happening very very quickly. Yeah, you just it, need to like be. Like I said, everyone's different. All you could, the best you can do is be pre- as prepared as you yeah. can. Keep your head on a swivel. To be smart. The situation. Yeah, and. If you're not doing that when you're in the woods, anyhow, uh, then you're you're probably you're probably a little bit uh, I don't know maybe maybe not thinking things through well enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, call me crazy. I'll take a uh, I'll take a three fifty seven that I can put in a teacup group over a four fifty four casual oh. that I can't hit a jug at twenty five yards. Right, with. and some people can shoot a four fifty four very well. Some yeah. people can, I, not me. I can't. No, no yeah. I can no. shoot a ten mil pretty well, and <laughs> yep. that's that's what I carry. Well, and part, and that's not the best answer either. But it's, well, and it, part of that and part of that whole factor i think is deterrent you know if you if you want to not suck you got to practice <laughs> yeah and yeah. you got to be able no. you know a whether it's a ford to ammo to practice most guys i know with a 454 or 44 or 500 don't put 50 rounds through that thing in a year nope. and they they trust pleasant. their life with it yeah <laughs> so you know i, I 
and I guess at some point, whatever gives you the warm fuzzies, yep. Yep. you know, whatever you think's your best bet, but in the end, it's all just a roll of the dice. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about confidence. Like, like I, uh, one night I went to pick up on my significant other. Her dad was out dip netting, and I was picking him up, and it was like four in the morning. He was being a royal pain. And instead of camping, he wanted me to come get him because he got cold. So at four in the morning, I got to work in three hours. All right, I'll go get you. And um, there's a black bear that was actually sleeping in front of one of our boats, kind of just like in the sand. And, and I was walking out, and I had the casual with me, um, that 454, and I felt naked with it because I was like, you know, here we go. Okay, like, I've got this. <laughs> But I was actually just super quiet and like just was like okay went to the boat and I started it got out of there he got up but like I was like that's when I really thought it through is I was like wow I was not confident at all with that cannon on me like whereas if I had even even a 12 gauge which I'm not overly impressed by their performance either but like if I had a 12 gauge I'd have felt just fine that casual like it was almost as though I felt like I was unarmed because I yeah. know the groups that I put on paper <laughs> with that thing or that I, excuse me that I don't put on paper yeah. with that thing like yeah well and and i don't know just whatever you lot, use just be proficient with yeah, it and a lot of times when i'm out you know in a stand or whatever i'll have a handgun on me you know i was using a 357 and since got a 10 millimeter and i really like that but yep. that's never my only my only deal if it's a situation where i I'm like yeah there's a high likelihood of running into a bear you know even I try not to even walk into a bait anymore without a, a real gun, a, yeah, ri- real a gun. rifle. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't do it. Um, had too many just close situations that I don't feel comfortable putting myself in with a handgun. No. Um, I'll carry the 10 mil, you know, and it's nice to have on my hip or whatever. But um, if I know I'm walking into a bait, I either have a 12 gauge or, or a rifle. Uh, that's that's all there is to it. That's the way yeah. to be. You know, a, a good friend of mine um, down on the coast, he uh, 10 yards he had a 10 yard shot at a beautiful black bear and this was for hunting it wasn't like a charging thing you know he was out fishing silvers and it was right across the way and he decided to take it at 10 yards and he missed <laughs> i mean this guy knows what he's doing and he missed so i have yes he doesn't know what he's doing with the revolver but like even still like yep. that's not to me that's not a <laughs> yeah i mean and just how fast it can happen like nick you you know we were together on that bait when we were still <laughs> so the ground blind set up for so grizzlies quick. and had these two grizzlies basically we were between the two of them and when she decided to come and i mean you you know she was quick nick oh, had yeah. a 12 gauge and i i had my bow and we were ready but it, it was just just like that you know nothing nothing to it at all and we saw them yeah like we were able to think what what was happening through and it still happened quicker than a hiccup yeah like, you can't now imagine if you didn't see the animal and you're walk, you know walking yeah. through the forest or something like that and that that were to happen well yep. you're not gonna get ready fast enough yeah. no, no i mean the fact is sometimes you're just gonna get tore up yeah yeah <laughs> I, I suppose i'd i'd just rather you know be smart about stuff and not have that happen yeah <laughs> and the trail going into that bait I, i'm always a little antsy yeah. going in there just because you can't see you know well we had that mishap not mishap, but we had that situation or encounter. And then, what, two years ago, we got to my bait to sit, and we're looking at photos sitting in a ground blind 10 yards away from the bait. 
and I'm going through them. We're some, a couple of black bears, whatever. And then like 20 minutes before we got there, there was two big grizzly bears on the yeah. bait. Like, uh, let's just yeah. go sit up in the tree stand. <laughs> yep. We didn't even have a gun with us. I think nope. we had a handgun. Yeah. Yeah. We had one handgun with us. Because it pretty much just been black bears yep. in there. We're like, oh, we'll go in there. We'll kill a bear, whatever. It'll be quick. You know, no problem. And we get in there and... Yeah, we we and they were coming moved. in right yeah. by where we yeah. had that blind set. And it's up. not that we're afraid to hunt grizzly bears on the ground or whatever it is. It's just it it might not be the smartest option. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look at the one you killed with me. That yeah. one that one ran right at a straight so, beeline, so, and he was dead so on his I've, feet. I, the two I've killed both have ran <laughs> at the tree the directly one, at us. That like, one ran right underneath the tree. Yeah. Okay, and then the one I killed last year ran into my tree and died below my tree. <laughs> Yeah, so, ground blind. That's a hairy situation, right there. Yes, <laughs> it's, some places that's really your only option is a ground blind. And I've yeah. killed plenty of bears from the ground. Um, I've taken my wife and hunted out of a ground blind. Taken friends and hunted out of a oh, ground I blind. Mean, that's the way I prefer to it's do black fun. bears. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. It's great until you know something doesn't go right. I mean, we've had problems with black bears on the ground too. Yeah, you know, coming up to the blind and stuff. We getting curious. We shot one a few years ago. And we were, uh, you know, it ran 15, 20 yards away and died, but you couldn't see the blind from there. And we're walking over to, to find the bear. We come back to the blind five minutes later and it's tipped upside down. You know, another bear had come, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just came yeah. In. So, yeah. Never, yeah. Or know. like, <clears throat> I think you were on the picture list when I was using those cell cams. I shot that black bear and then you get the picture of me walking back through <laughs> and then, Ding, black bear on the bait. Yep. And then a few minutes later, ding, a sow grizzly with three cubs on the bait. Never. Yeah, that was, I could hear those ones on there. And luckily I, well, I grabbed the, grabbed my rifle and kind of got the best lane of a, you know, where best visibility I could and then hollered at them and they ran off. But geez. that was your 375. I hear the 44 out penetrates it. Yeah. That's what, what the word on the street is. <laughs> Uh, one the last brown bear I shot with that I was I was assistant guiding and I was the backup shooter and guy hit this bear a little off and I hit him running straight away up the hill hit him above the tail and it came out his other front leg and it was a big bear it too. was a ten foot one exactly yeah. exactly so you know and I don't think obviously of... bullet selection has a little bit to do with that but sure yeah there ain't a forty four mag out penetrate penetrating a three seventy five. <laughs> No. But yeah, this year I mean we were looking. I think I may be using the the shot the scatter gun for uh, my bait gun this year because I mean well, I'm bow hunting these baits, but n never go in there without a real gun. Yeah, and I've even come in to quite you know from talking to you, John, and some other guys that yeah, like them twelve gauge slugs may not be what everybody because you ask anybody all oh, twelve gauge or slugs that's the ultimate. Yeah. I, I think it'll stop it. I like, think it's I think better. It'll stop a threat. You I know, think it's I really better do. than a lot of alternatives. It's better than a handgun. Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. I mean, just look at the energy. Yep. Like, no, there's yeah. no. Well, and essentially what it is, those 12 gauge slugs, it's like a giant handgun round. Yep. I mean, I think, and the biggest difference, and what I try to explain to people, is any handgun, you're just punching holes, essentially. Yep. And, and we I could think, talk about first-hand experience with that too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. There were I, I shot. I had to shoot one black bear with a three fifty seven because I'd shouldered my rifle and thought, all right, the thing's dead by now. That yeah. I had shot. Well, 
we had sh- shot it with a bow and hit it a little too far forward. The shot looked good, but it was at a, it was kind of sitting at a weird angle where it was too far forward. Ran it up a tree, shot it with my three seventy five. I mean, the poor, but it just felt terrible for the thing. <laughs> yeah. Go go back in there to to get it and stand. I'm um, get about ten feet away, and it stands up. And all I, I had my three fifty seven in my hand. And, shot it and it blew through it knocked it down got back up shot it again and that was it but um yeah we had a couple uh two years ago coming back from caribou hunting we had a bear that we stalked uh you know that we could see from the road and friend shot it with a bow made a you know not a great shot so we blood trailed it and ended up shooting it 16 times with a 10 mil and a 9 mil just you know and it 16 confirmed I mean, that's how many you know holes were in the bear yeah and he never once acted like he would was going to actually stop you know like it, it didn't it didn't do anything yeah it, i mean it's just <laughs> weird it's like every situation's different where you know taj's dad phil yeah and killed that one with a nine brown bear with a nine yeah yeah so anything is possible you yeah. know it's just what i think i think whatever gives you the best chance you know that you basically you know, in some ways, bigger is better, but not at the expense of being able to shoot it well. Yeah, being accurate, and that's what Phil is. He's yeah. obviously accurate with that gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. There's no doubt about it. That that didn't happen by, you know, chance, you know. Yeah. And he's about, you know, significantly saltier than any. <laughs> I would, I believe like, he's been around a bear or two. Yeah, he's been time. around the bush <laughs> time or two. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I got this, got this 12 gauge and some of them, black magics and then some of them brennicky ko's yeah i don't know which those slugs which ones i'll end up using i think i don't know i think for interior stuff that's probably a pretty safe bet you know and we all i mean i, I love my 375 yeah and a- i don't i would you know if we're talking kodiak or coastal stuff right i ain't taking the 12 over the 375 no they're gonna bring the 375 yeah. yep is that what you're going to bring to Kodiak this fall? I don't know. Yeah, so this is a side deal. Nick's, <laughs> Nick's got, got a Kodiak tag oh, for this fall. good times. And we, we actually have a huge year, all of us, yeah. this yeah, year. Yeah, it's going to uh, be out of hand. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so, going to be really, really fun. So what yeah. do you, start with John, what do you got this year? Oh, geez, in terms of hunts planned? Yeah. Um, Obviously, we got, uh, you know, um, brownies are high on my hit list. I've had some mixed luck over the last couple of years with them. You just let everybody else shoot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, and the, big, the big brownies have kind of, you know, evaded me or, you know, the wind's been swirling or, you know, I got a shot on one a couple of years ago that I've been after. He was a big blonde one. Um, and I got a shot on him. I think it was like June 28th or something, and he was just bald. Like, he looked like greasy and gross so i I honestly was like well you know maybe next year i'll get on him but you know for me first up's grizz and then um got a caribou hunt and then uh sheep with nick and then uh me and nick are going on a moose hunt which we're pretty excited about last year we killed a couple of bulls in there um in a couple of days and i think that that area is pretty good and uh, good potential for wolves too and other stuff and uh, so we got sheep moose grizz and then kodiak brown bear and um the the goat hunt this year new new options are open there with the boat (laughs) um which is gonna go down so we're pretty pleased about that but yeah that got a cordova you're thinking um no i'm thinking i'm thinking actually valdez is gonna be just get a runner across the shellacoff over to kodiak Kodiak. yeah i'm gonna rip right i mean i probably could the weather was right (laughs) um but uh but yeah, so you know, basically everything. 
pretty excited about it. <laughs> uh, Kodiak bears will be nice. You know, I went to Carlock with Nick and we had an absolutely fantastic hunt and Lord knows we came close to plenty. Um, you know, you know, Nick was passing on bears. So like, you know, we certainly could have, but there just wasn't any quite, and I don't think in the caliber that Nick was looking for. No, we saw some big bears. Oh, we sure did. Ten, that yeah, one we, ivory, like, I we mean, saw several big bears that I've been very happy with. Yep. Um, and I also passed one really nice bear. That was a nice one, that gray face one. Yep. And, yep. and we had plenty of opportunities on other bears too, but that's, you know, I'm not waiting four years to do it again. And that, you know, I'm standing by that. Well, that, yeah. that worked out pretty well for you. Yes, considering you it drew it. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drew a better tag yeah, for this yeah, year. For, or, yeah. Uh, you know, this will be my third go at hunting brown bears, either on the peninsula or on Kodiak. And, um, you know, I'm standing by, you know, I, I want a really, really nice bear and I yeah. don't want to wait four years to do it again. Yep. Yeah. So if I don't get one on Kodiak this year, we go to the peninsula and we'll try again. Yeah. Yep. No, no, really. I, you know, a lot of people go down there and, and they'll, they'll shoot in, you know, seven, eight footer and, and that's fine. You know, the experience is great, but like I said, I don't want to wait four years to try again. They're too yeah. much fun to hunt. Yep. Uh, hunting brown bears. And as you know, Tyler, that, yeah. that's man, that is some fun. I think they're kind of the pinnacle in their own way. You know, I like all hunting. If not. I like all hunting, but there's something to be said about hunting those pairs. It is, uh, it's just different. Yep. Remember that <laughs> or that boulder that we pulled up to? There was that big bear that had been standing next to this boulder, and he walked past it, and then the boulder disappeared. We pulled the boat up to it, and this boulder was unbelievable. It was like <laughs> glassing from mammoth. across the lake. I was like, the, yeah. this disappeared behind him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we saw some good bears on that hunt. That yeah. Carluck's a great tag to have. Um, and if you're a rifle hunter, it's an incredible oh, tag to have. Yep. Uh, man. So, but yeah, so it'll, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good trip. Be yeah. Fun time. It'll be a good time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so. What about yours, Nick? That I uh, just a uh, lot of, we're, we'll have a few overlapping. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm doing a lot with John this year again. But uh, most years we do we do quite a bit of hunting together, and uh, uh, just I like hunting with people that understand me, and I understand them, and we're on the same page. That's important. Anyhow, for spring, uh, bears. My wife and I are going to hunt grizzly bears and black bears, and do a lot of hunts with other friends and stuff like that. Uh, my my, if I had one goal for this spring, it's to take a grizzly bear. I've I've tried for the last three years with the recurve yeah with the re- yep. yeah i would like to take one with the recurve um i've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity i've been in bow range of nine grizzly bears stalking them and uh have not yet to put tension on the string so i uh, hoping this spring is a little bit different yeah. and then after that we have uh we're gonna do some fishing and stuff in july and yep. all that and then before you know it it's august and uh sheep <laughs> And then it'll be September, and we'll hunt moose. And then finally, Kodiak. Uh, depending on where we go on Kodiak, I kind of have two options. The one spot would be close to goat country, and we could hunt goats mm-hmm. at, if we shoot a bear. And uh, the other spot, w- there won't be goats for 50 miles, but um, you know, kind of weighing my options on which spot I want to go. Can always go go hunting later. Right, yeah, we right. Can, I mean, like yeah. the, the vessel's there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then after all that, I'm I'm gonna head to Idaho and hunt mule deer uh, in late November, early December, um, and then try to find a way to get to Arizona and hunt coos deer. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yep. Yeah, so. I got all this. As you've heard, I got the little, little yeah, that's spring a, bear stuff. Try it again. 
well, black bear too, but yep. going to try it. My main goal is to kill a grizzly with a stone point this year, which I'm pretty confident will happen. Yeah, yeah you put I in your time. Like, it for you. <laughs> we all know that you put in your time and you, and you do it right, you're going to have an opportunity. You might not have two, but you, yep. you should have one. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. But uh, that and then my dad and I are going to go up to a new spot to put some black bear baits out I and that, think. that'll be a lot of fun and when, when we went and did it you know we we kind of the bugs were terrible remember that yeah oh yeah i mean it was man and we didn't get as far up as no we thought we were. no 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 we did not we did our best though but yeah <laughs> anyway i think i think it'll be a matter of how many black bears do you want to skin yeah that'll be a lot of fun yeah, yeah. You enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, the you know, all the pike fishing should be great. Yep. yep. So we'll do that and then Yeah. I don't have anything planned for July right now, but gotta go down to go down to Toke for yep. sheep in August and uh that should be pretty epic, I think. That's that's yeah, pretty a great trip. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the the coolest part about you drawing that tag is you you've hunted sheep so much that you, you could you're gonna do the tag justice, I know it, or or you're not gonna kill one. And on top of that, you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And and you don't need to, you don't need to shoot one to shoot one. Yeah. Like, and I think you know because I I wanted the tag for forever, right. but I think I'm better off now. No, that, for sure. That, I, I agree. <laughs> you know, I can pass up. I can pass up those thirty-seven, thirty-eights. Yep. I yeah. I don't know how many people I run into annually um, that talk about. You know, you ask them, are you going sheep hunting? Oh, I didn't draw a tag. You know, because they're putting in for toke and delta yeah. and stuff. You like that. And and that's a, a lot of people's, you know, and you know this to be true. That's their first sheep hunt. Yeah. Is when they draw that, you know, that permit. Yeah. And then, you know, typically they probably get a ram, you know, but to get one after you've killed 10, 11, 12 sheep. Yeah. And get a really, really good permit like that, man. Yeah, that's something um, to look forward to. For yeah, sure. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and well, I'm telling everybody's I have to go into it. It's like I'm not if I if I can't find one that's over forty, I'm not killing one. Oh, you'll I just do have your, to. You'll do your best, and you'll come out on top like so, you always do. Yep. So, needless to say, that'll be it'll be awesome. And then I think I may need to plan. I mean, a little late in the game, but I may need to plan a. I'll either hunt hunt the little local hidey hole here for for Bruce. Bullwinkle. Yep. Just get a meat a bull to throw in the freezer, but I may need to go. I may need to plan a yeah a little bit more involved moose hunt. And I'm then, looking forward to our moose hunt quite a bit. Oh yeah, and and Tyler, if you get one locally, you can give me a call, man. I'll be right there to to help you. <laughs> yeah. So I shot this bull. I shot this bull last year, last day of the season, not too far out, of, not too far out of town, and get him down. I'm like ah. Yeah, I could handle this thing, but man, it'd be way nice if I could get someone else to help. help. And I would have loved to have come, but yeah, I was yeah. at work, and man. Yeah. So I'm calling leave. everybody, finally get a hold of John, get him out of bed. <laughs> so, John, you want to come cut up a moose? Yeah, sure. And so I like did my damnedest to give him directions, and he got lost. I'm stuck in the mud, too. <laughs> I was handyman and cursing. And we, yeah, luckily my brother-in-law made it out there, and we got that thing cut up and thrown and hauled over to the truck, and... 
on the way out, finally bumped into John. Yep. Yeah, on the way out. When all the work's done. <laughs> yeah, all the work and was he's done. he's like, man, it's a little, that's a little bigger bowl than I thought you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he was, was a nice one. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I had it in my head that he was like a like a meat special. Yeah. But uh, no, he was, he was what? He's, he stretched out 50. He, yeah, he, he barely made 50 by that, that one point that sticks out. Yeah. But, I mean, he was a good, he was a big body bull. Yeah. John's quick to help with uh, moose recovery. I was in germany this past uh, fall or whatever and my friend actually winter whatever yeah my friend texted me and said hey my uh friend of mine just shot a moose with the town cow tag yeah. you know in town yeah. and, and you know and he's from anchorage and so is she so they don't have any help yeah I'm like call john yeah. so i gave him the number they had I, you never met brian before anyhow no you? no that was the first time yeah. i met him man. john went out and helped him pack it out so yeah that was fun <laughs> yeah riley and i went out there we made, we made pretty quick work of that one it was it was right by Ivory Jacks there. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, so we got taken out to a burger afterwards. Yeah, I think it was funny. I think my brother in law had just shown up to work, and I got a hold of him, and and he's like, "Oh, this is perfect. I've already shown up. Like people seen I'm here. Yeah, no, <laughs> take off, and yeah. show back up to work for the afternoon." But yeah. I can't beat it. No, it's good to help your friends out, man. When when you know when you need help, there's. Everybody's got that list of people that they can call and count on, and you, you got to have that. You, yeah, shoot a moose like that by yourself and spend a day and a half or whatever packing. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have taken me. That no, long. no, <laughs> but it wouldn't have been as fun. Put yeah. it that way. That's kind of kind of the primo spot. Usually, when you shoot after you shoot, you know, leave the four wheeler in the truck, and then after you shoot one, you can usually get the four wheeler down there. Yeah, pretty close to. It's them. still nice to have help skinning yeah. it and everything. Yeah, it just makes it go way quicker. For sure, horsing those six foot long legs around, <laughs> and and you would never get a grizzly bear hole in your boat. No, you without, would without your friends. Bear. <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> what three of the four grizzlies I've killed with killed with my bow? Three of the four I've been by myself. The second one, Nick came down and helped me afterwards. And the last two, I don't I even just, know how we got that bear from where it was to the boat i'm trying to remember was <laughs> I, it a sled it or was something a little kid sled <laughs> okay because those were great for black bears you just yeah. roll them in there and i always got it in the boat and yeah. we i don't know what where that process went but we yanked the guts out of her and, and it was a huge sack. yeah no there was nothing small about that bear that's that was the first <laughs> dead grizzly i ever walked up onto and i was blown away by how big it was well i had and i told nick i think i remember like ah because while he was you know getting ready i went in there and found her and then i'm thinking i mean the monster the bear i'd shot the year oh, before was biggest, just yeah it was a nine foot interior bear it was just enormous yes and so i'm like yeah not you know not quite as big as i thought it was and then nick goes in there and says, oh shit this is a big bear <laughs> yeah yeah i thought i thought it was i, I still mean, think it is it was eight foot <laughs> yeah great 20 bear. 25 inch skull or what was that, that one that was one? 23 and a quarter okay yeah big <laughs> Yeah. 23. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I, I still never got an age back on that bear, but that was old. I think bear. old. Yeah. I think old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She hadn't had cubs for a few years either, it no. didn't look like. Yeah. It was a good one to get out of there. And I mean, even the last two bears I've killed haven't been slouches, you know, no, no. seven and a half foot bears. Yep. But yeah, going back there and skinning them by yourself and the one, well, both bears have had other bears like, lingering lingering around and stuff makes you a little nervous but yeah if you can't tell we're all pretty antsy to get out this spring (laughs) 
and generate some new stories instead of just oh, telling them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Been a long winter. Warm winter, but long still. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it wasn't freezing cold, like, you know. Yeah. How cold was it over there? Oh, uh, beautiful. Pretty much the entire time. <laughs> like, I, uh, you know, it got down below freezing several days, and it snowed, but the snow would go away after a day or, you oh. know, it's, nothing stuck, but... Uh, yeah, w- when I was uh, chamois hunting in Slovenia, the last day it snowed three and a half foot, and oh, we man. we were staying at a cabin up on the mountain, and I had to catch a flight that afternoon to get home, and I had uh, no phone service, no nothing, and what would happen was the guide would drive up every day, pick you up, and then we'd go hunt. Yeah. Well, that morning, you know, there's three and a half foot of fresh snow on the ground, and the guy I was with is like, I don't think they're coming today, you know, and I was like, well... I'm going to have to walk out, you know, like on the road. And he's like, man, I just don't think you're going to make it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can figure out how to get down the mountain on a road. Yeah. You know, I'm not, wasn't worried about it. I just need to get back, you know, down elevation, you know, four or 5,000 feet where there was no snow. And, uh, after about an hour or two of convincing this guy that that's what I was going to do, here comes one of the guides hiking up the hill. He had parked at the bottom and hiked up to the yeah. camp, yeah. and then we all walked out together. Uh, it was interesting. I'm glad he came. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty pretty wild. I don't know if we, we haven't got a big dump of snow like that around here in a while. Well, you guys had 80-some inches here this year. Oh, we year. had a lot of snow. It was yeah. like but light dusting, light dusting, light dusting on top, one after another. It just okay. added Well, it's up, irritating. Right? The last month of trapping <laughs> season, just you go out there, get everything reset, then it dumps another six, seven inches of snow. Just How did you do to... this year, trapping? Yeah, I had enough gear out to basically make it <laughs> to say that I was trapping, but I caught a few cats and a wolf and... Not bad for or like a recreational yeah, trapping year. Like extreme recreational. No, no that's very good. There's <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong yeah, with that's, that. That's really good. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, for the amount of sets I had out, my percentages were pretty high. Right. Well, and you weren't going hard like you you were, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah, I just finally after the past couple of years not hardly trapping. Yeah, you hadn't. You hadn't. I've been since, looking forward to it. Yeah, and since, we, been since we had our kids, you know, yeah. I finally couldn't take it anymore. got out and did that but yeah that in between you know first scanning did 48 wolves this year 49 wolves this year and sick of doing that the last one went out the door a couple weeks ago so done i'm all got my goat prepped and officially caught up till till the bears start coming that's right (laughs) and it won't be long no it won't be (laughs) well anyway i guess we'll uh We'll tie this one up, but uh, yeah, it's been great to have you guys over and chat a little bit. And uh, despite this being a little haphazard, you know, oh, no worries, it's okay. been a lot of fun. And uh, you guys will be back on shortly enough, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. And if you uh, have any questions or comments, you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com. Thanks. <laughs>